0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi,
1: I'm Greg.
2: I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics Podcast.
1: And I'm Luke Bowage. On vacation. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Well, All right, we guys. We're going to start with that, that fact. I'm on vacation, meaning I didn't read the whole, or listen to the whole of this book. So I'm only going to stick around for a few minutes and, uh, and then head out, I think, because I don't have time because I'm on holiday. And also, I didn't finish the book. Well, uh, we'll talk
0: on. about the good bits.
1: Okay, okay, the let's do bits.
0: that. We're going to discuss um, Robert Checkley's 1966 novel, Mind Swap.
2: What okay. made you choose this?
0: Hmm. Came in as an audiobook, and oh, okay. uh, we had just done um, a really good Sheckley book uh, mm-hmm. in the spring. I guess was it mm-hmm. spring, early? Fall? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. spring. Yeah, it was and everybody liked it. I think
1: the other book didn't. Yeah. didn't we? Well, I didn't yeah. take part in that. I didn't take part in that podcast, but I read it for my own podcast and actually quite enjoyed it. But I, I didn't take part in the roundtable discussion about that one.
0: You did do your own podcast on it, though. I did
1: do my own podcast about it, yeah. And uh, and I thought it was pretty good, actually. You know, there was quite a lot of stuff in there that I enjoyed. hmm Well, um... <laughs> uh... That's what,
0: that's what brought it up. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of any older science fiction getting turned into an audiobook rather than a, a modern yeah. one, just because there's a better chance that it's going to be good than something modern, I think. Just because <laughs> if if you took that extra step and, and uh said, well, let's not get something that's coming out now that's already got hype going for it, then it's much more likely to have a a little bit more of interest, I think.
1: Yeah, didn't, who was it who was doing this? Someone else, uh, I know Greg did an audio recording of the uh, the status civilization, but somebody else did one, but didn't they say that they recorded the wrong book by Robert Sheckley by accident or something? Oh, uh...
0: Well, Rick, Rick Jackson did a, a version yeah. of The Status Civilization. That's the one that we, I sent to everybody, I think.
1: Yeah, okay, but that was, um, that was interesting because he said, oh, uh, I picked out this book by Robert Sheckley, and then I yeah. said, oh, it's yeah. not the book that I expected from him. So was this the book that he wanted to do, or did he do other novels as well? You know,
0: I, I should um, have uh, <laughs> invited Rick on. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot to invite him. Um, he he did say something like that, I think. And he, he said, you know, I remembered it fondly. And then when I started recording it, or I uh, started doing the proofing on it, he, yeah. I think he said that, that it wasn't it the was book a he remembered. Book. <laughs> it was a yeah, different yeah. book. Um, but luckily it turned out to be a good book. Now, in this case, uh, I think, I think it's a, as a novel it's not very good. But it has a couple of scenes that are just so good that uh, it's worth listening to the book anyways or uh, maybe getting a copy of the paperback and reading those sections.
2: Yeah, because yeah. it's almost like it should have been a novella, but they just kept going. And it's,
0: yeah, it's kind of strange, though, how, how, you know, it doesn't start off the, in the strongest way. It starts off pretty well. Um, uh, our main character, his name is Marvin, which I think probably has some significance. Um, our main character starts off uh, wanting to go on vacation, um, Unable to afford a, a luxurious um, interstellar flight, he he swaps minds with a Martian, and uh and then comedy ensues. I guess is the idea, but uh,
3: existentialism
0: existen- existen- Ex- existentialism. Okay, what's your take on this, Greg?
3: Well, I I mean it's it, you know it's 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 he's. It, it, I don't want to jump to the end of the book is what I why I'm pausing. Go for
0: here, it. But, Go for uh, it if you need to.
3: Basically he decides that uh, you know a wholehearted uh, acceptance and commitment to living fully regardless of what the situation is um, is how it ends which is that's that's Heidegger that's Kierkegaard that's Sartre that's you know I mean that's that's existentialism. He decides to live despite the absurdity of the universe.
2: Yeah, and I I
0: guess then you
2: could say the book, then that kind of explains what happened at the end of the book because the beginning of the book, what I found interesting is they're they're actually not really swapping, I guess they're swapping minds, but they're really swapping bodies. I mean, their minds, their Mm -hmm. existence, their soul, whatever their being gets put into somebody else's body. And he can. the thing I liked is how it started off is that he, he's essentially swindled at the very beginning, mm-hmm.
1: which shows yeah, the his thing innocence. Is you, the thing is, you can see coming a mile away, this is what really annoyed me about this book, is that like I actually mentioned in my own review of the status civilization, you always get these people who are not curious about anything. And the only way that they can get into a mix up is because they're not being curious about something. Like in the the, status of civilization, there's this whole thing and suddenly the weather moves in and and it's like, oh, it's really cold and stuff. And it suddenly becomes this bit of drama. I think that was one bit of drama too much about it. In that book, sort of his ignorance was explained away by them saying, okay, when you're a new arrival onto this planet, nobody is allowed to tell you anything or nobody does tell you anything or or the rules are that you're not allowed to tell any of the new recruits anything. However, you'd think that if you didn't know anything, you'd be a little bit more... um, I know a little bit more cautious you wouldn't just run into a situation yeah and it, and it seems like yeah and uh, yeah you'd be a bit more circumspect uh, but and in that book it's sort of i always wanting like some him just to go ah, oh, well okay how does this society work and then i'll try and live in it like everywhere i go i'm always like okay what's the, what are the rules around here what do you do yeah. in this city you know what what Like everywhere that I'm going, that's that's what I do. I always look it up on Wikipedia, or look it up in a travel guide, or ask someone who's been there before. Like, what what do you do here? Where do you go? Where's the best place to go? Where are the places to avoid? And he never does that. And it seems like that's what happens in this book. He he goes along and he wants to go to Mars and to transfer his brain to a body in Mars. And they're just like, oh yeah, don't worry, just will just do it. You don't need to know anything. And he's like, oh okay. And then the next and time, I'm he's not like, sure, oh, I'm
0: okay. not sure that's true in this case. I mean, he, he does start off. He does start off uh, knowing quite a lot about Mars and having talked about you know, saying you know how much he's he's read about it because he's so interested in going. Yes, not he, Mars. He, but, he, but he's been a bit, a bit intimidated by his own personality uh, in the past. He hasn't done it right. But yes, in this sure, case, just, he. Finds his determination, and he goes, and he knows a little bit what he's expecting. He's, he's a xenophile, right? He loves the idea of hanging out with with uh, sandbacks or whatever they're called, right?
3: Well, not – the sandbacks were the
0: – from
3: the, the wrong the side story. of the Rio Grande. Yeah. I mean that – yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but the, yeah. The, the, my point isn't just that. Now it's not going to a place. It's not like, yeah, he knew a lot about Mars, but the whole issue of mind swap, it's like he was like, oh, so how does this work again? Oh, it's like, like that. But then there was loads and loads of other layers to it. So many like, and then there was a the whole sort of black market of mind swapping kind of thing going on. And he, he never, it was like, he was never... Curious, curious, curious enough about any of that to sort of put himself into that situation at the beginning. Yeah, of course, he was up against the deadline the second time he swapped his mind to go to the next mm. place. But it's, it's just a bit strange that he, he, no matter where he goes, he doesn't know anything about it and yet just throws himself into the adventure anyway. Which well, so I think- seriously,
2: I have to say kind of sadly, I know people who live their entire lives that way. Yep,
3: me too. I have-
2: several people that I'm able to observe quite closely who live their lives (laughs) that way. And you just go, how do you have one disaster after another in your life just living and going to work? Oh, believe me. And it just, it's because they never are like you Luke or think or ask a question or go, what if they just blah, 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 go along. It's amazing. And the Marvin's like that. I think.
3: Uh, I don't think he's, that bad, I think what, what well, we're talking about you know, I mean, he, he's, he does ask questions up front and he, he is curious and he's trying to understand it it's just that everyone either out talks him or, you know, manages
1: to change The his universe
0: is or. definitely out to get him in this one.
1: Oh yeah I mean, I'm not denying that, it's just that it just seems a bit strange, that, I mean, he does ask questions like when he's like, okay, so what do I do if I'm collecting these eggs and they're going, <laughs> you just collect the eggs and he can't understand why they're not telling him anything more but like, so I'm not saying he isn't curious about some stuff. But, but it, I, I can't help but think in this case he didn't ask very many questions because maybe, maybe Robert Sheckley didn't have all the answers. For the whole, I mean, maybe it's explained later on in the book. But like, if there's a whole black market of mind swapping, and yet if you don't have a mind, you die, and if you don't have a um, body, your mind dies. It means everyone must be swapping one to one, and then later, and that's what the whole quandary is at the beginning: is that there's too many people want his body at the beginning, and and uh, and he needs to get out of his body so someone else can be it. And like, and he's like, well, what happens if I if I don't have a body in this time? Uh, you because know, some guy is nicked off with his body back at home and things. And they're just like, well, you sign the contract, and uh, you, you'll just die. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. So, how does all the black market of mind swapping work? given those rules that it is that deadly if someone is there or if two people want the same body and all that kind of stuff. And of course it gets into trouble straight away and of course it messes up. But all the time he's leaving bodies behind and do they all just die? And how does he go into another body when somebody else has to be there for him not to be killing them when he arrives in the new body? And as far as I can tell, that wasn't explained up until about, you know, like two-thirds of the way through the book. So so No, that's a fair
3: criticism. I I don't, uh, you know... They don't tell you what happens when he vacates the body, but what you find is by the end of the book, uh, through metaphoric deformation, that you're not sure that he has left a body or not left a body, or this is actually what you're seeing when you see it. Um, So, yes, I I too wondered what happens when he you know abandons
1: one body. He did plan
0: it out. I mean that metaphoric uh, deformation, as you said. Oh,
1: that by the way. I thought was awesome. We should talk about yeah, that a bit more. It,
0: absolutely, and uh, before we get too far into, like, I want to talk about the. Uh, I think it's chapter nine that has this, the visit to Gan, the, the planet with. Uh, it's called Meld, the planet. Right, the Ganser eggs. Yeah, the Ganzer eggs, I, which I think is one of the greatest scenes uh, of yes. comedy ever in a novel. But um, yes. I, I wanted to talk about, a little bit about that first mind swap he does when he when he. Makes that first mind swap. I, I was wondering what was going to happen um, because that's the name of the model. That's the premise, and it could have been just the case where you know, if your mind and your body are the uh, are the same thing, which is what uh, most materialists would say, right? A specific part of your body is your well,
3: your mind, your brain, and your body.
0: That's right. Your okay. your brain, your brain, and parts of your body are you, and so you can't swap minds without swapping those bits, right? Um, the way he sets it up is it's more like swapping consciousnesses and, I guess, bringing those memories with you because he he's told, you know, uh, eventually by a detective, he's told, um, you'll still have certain natural reactions, you'll still have certain preferences, um, and when I find your body, uh, the man who's stolen your body, um, will know those answers uh, instantaneously, um, before he even knows what his own answers would be, right? Um, so yeah, because
2: I l- like that description at further earlier when it says it's you know automatic education. It's like you're taking over a house to get to use the furnishings.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, the most it's, intimate it's a, memories, but it's the apartment swapping more than it is. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, you're, you're inhabiting that body, but uh, you know all the all the business that 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 house or apartment uh, would normally have would still be going on and it would have all the memory of that right, right. all the, all the well-worn paths would still be used and um it's a it's a very interesting idea but, but the question in my mind is i don't think this is uh it possibly it's impo- i think it's impossible i don't think I, th- I don't think you can swap a mind without swapping the body but i think sheckley knew that too even you know yeah. even in 1966 and he was just saying well here's my here's my uh, fudging on it right and and he was sort of pointing out his fudging on it that he had thought about this fairly deeply
3: i i think that it was it, it's meant to be a, a, a subversive ontological satire and so it's entirely about being and what is being and and how do you decide your you and and all those really fundamental questions hmm. like that mm-hmm. um so Uh, Of course, he goes out of his way to not explain things in order to make the universe even more absurd than his imagination got to him. And I think if you add the devices of that era that the editors were looking for, and they assumed all of their uh, readers were, you know, 14-year-old pasty-faced white boys from the Mm -hmm. suburbs, they, they would try to set it up so that you know, even though the guy was supposed to be an adult and smart and curious and all that, they still make him like that 14-year-old kid, so that the kid can identify with him. And and that 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 is the way kids would react to a situation. They'd be scared to ask how it works. They just try and fake it. It's an adult who's thought about life and says, "Well, wait a minute. I actually have a goal here."
0: Yeah, specific adults probably. Yeah.
2: Well, um, and even when he does ask, the information that's given him is very unhelpful like when he says i don't know what arrangements to make over getting a new body and the detective says hey you can't expect me to sort it out i've been trained to do one job and the fact i fail consistently at it doesn't alter the fact that's the job i've been trained for well not going outside those boundaries
3: this is all go ahead yeah it was a big
2: statement about bureaucracy not thinking far enough everything else but it was also hilarious
3: I think that the, the, I mentioned Gulliver's Travels earlier. I, I really do think this book parallels a lot of Gulliver's Travels, but most importantly, the Laputa La section. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we have is is a bunch of guys with technique that don't have any real practical application. And we have an example of both. In other words, the detective has failed persistently and and he fails in this book, ultimately, in the end. Um, and But the P.I., the, the theory of searching guy?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: Valdez. He succeeds. He succeeds through an absurd concept. Let's go to where yeah. that person's going to look and stay yeah. there until she does. It's a nice, but, co-
1: it's a nice concept, but... It's it's uh it's quite funny how he I I just think it was it was taken to that sort of extreme thing where he goes oh yeah and I'll find you don't worry, and then all we need to do is apply this mathematical you know thing and yes you're gonna you're gonna find or oh, the person is gonna find you within the next you know three and a half minutes and he's like no way and you know and it's was, and I really enjoyed that kind that of that was
0: the second right. best scene in the book I think
3: yeah, yeah, yeah I like I think, that too I that's, think that's, the that, that's a technique without practical application, and if you think about it, uh, pretty much every character, including Marvin, has a skill that is completely impractical. Which is that yes. Laputa section of Gulliver's Travels, where the guy's trying to put the sun- or is he trying to extract sunlight from a cucumber? I can't remember what he's trying to do, but <laughs> you know what I'm
1: saying. Sounds hard. Yep, it's been a while since I read Gulliver's Travels, but I do yeah. sort of recall that to kind of idea. It myself. Um, but yeah, but the uh, the uh, the point about the the searching and there's actually like I say there's quite a few c- fun ideas in this book, but because it, it really just felt a bit too much like he was just randomly going from one place to the next to one place to the next, and then he just turns up one place and hangs around for a while, and it just seems like at, at any point he seems to forget any kind of mission or any kind of thing that he's doing, you know, and, and something happens and then this happens and then this happens and. And I just, like I say, it just didn't grab me. Like the story didn't grab me. Some of the ideas grabbed me. I quite liked them, but the, the story itself didn't, didn't grab me in that way. But the, the theory of searching was quite fun. It was yeah, wonderful. I
3: also think that if you apply this to, I, like, I really think this is, this is existentialism for a science fiction audience. And I mean, can, compare this to No Exit or The Flies or something by Sartre. Um, you know, you, you don't know anything. You don't know who anybody is. You don't know what they want. You don't know what. I mean, it, it's the same thing is going on here. And
2: no it, wonder it went over my head at the end. The last third, I was like, what? I don't care anymore.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of that
2: thing but, Luke said. It didn't work as a story. It probably no, worked great as the existential commentary. But if you, don't, if you don't make it to where me, the equivalent of the 14-year-old pasty-faced white boy, can well, get it, there's no point. That. And I couldn't.
0: I, I uh, am yeah, not sure Go it's ahead. a novel I think I think it's 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 a it, it does it doesn't make sense as a novel I don't think uh I I guess the the size is right but um it doesn't have the 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 through um it, it is a I think there's a special term for you know a series of um series of scenes strung together um each more comical than the the last it maybe it's something like candide or something like that it's uh, i don't think candide's a novel i'm not sure what it is but it's it's something like that and
2: the stars might oh go ahead
0: uh yeah it's uh, the star's my destination destination works so
2: much better in that to make those same points for me for me
3: yeah I, i think that if you think about the you had to think that this was 1966, a clockwork orange had just come out, you know, nads what they call it. The slang in that NADSAT and new speak from 1984. And, and he has an amalgamated language in this book where, you know, you can hear a German word next to a French word next to a, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, I, I think that that was uh, the, the point in history where this attitude was the strongest undercurrent in general society, and it's it's incredibly attractive to, to a writer to want to uh, say that that particular thing is is you know at, at an, an apex at this point where you could actually write about it. Um, and, and of course that apex dropped off and all of the argument over whether God is dead and all that sort of stuff went away, but that was the era. Do you know what I mean? It was,
0: yeah, it's it was, apparently classified as a new wave novel, which I didn't see while I was reading it, but, Mm-mm. um,
3: I, I, that's, that's absurd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it new <laughs>
0: wave. I, 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 perfect. I, mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know how, how it fit, it would fit in there, but that's some people have classified it. I guess it's the period, it's, it's the time, um, and maybe it's his closest thing to a new wave novel, I'm not sure.
3: You know, it's funny because I thought everybody would be spending their time here arguing over similarities between Douglas Adams and Robert Sheckley. Uh, and it's oh, funny that's, that something, kind of that's, that's,
1: that's something I definitely that's something I definitely noticed there. I was reading this and I was thinking, wait a second, this is what Douglas Adams must have read when he was younger to 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 come out with the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because it pretty is pretty much is just a, a series of adventures of someone going from one place to the next, um talking to funny aliens, doing silly things, and I thought it was as funny as in parts as, you know, yes, anything that like Douglas Adams wrote. Mm-hmm. I
3: I think you're right although I think that this was far more ephemeral in terms of the way it approached the things. Douglas Adams deals in nuts and bolts. But I oh, think yes. that's the, the difference between absurdist humor between the Brits and, and America. The, you know, uh, Douglas Adams was Monty Python and and Sheckley is fire sign theater. And well, and
2: Sheckley may just not be the genius that Adams
3: wa- is, was, you know. Uh, I think they were different. I I, I yeah. actually see a difference. I mean, Douglas, if you like.
1: Oh, there is a difference. Yes, definitely. But I'm just saying that it's it just that uh, the the kind of, oh, yeah, we go and talk to this alien and then to this alien. But like in the it, it seems to have like the same kind of pacing in a way. Do you understand what I mean by pacing that, mm-hmm. you know, you stick around for a while. And I mentioned this on a, another podcast. Um, Very
0: serialized in a way. Yeah. yeah with
1: But I yeah. mean, I'm not that's well, I mean, sketch it's it comedy. Comes, yeah, it's like sketch comedy, and that's what yeah. that's what um, Douglas Adams was writing from. He was writing sketch comedy in a radio form, and then took it over to his books. And it was the same kind of pacing. It's like here we have a sketch, here we have a sketch, and then little bits of narration to get you from one place to the next. And this book definitely felt like you know, like that kind of the pacing of sketch comedy from one to the next.
3: But I do think there was something to hold it all together, and and you're going to have to go with me here. There's a couple of times that that uh, Sheckley Puts the words in the characters' mouths, most notably in the detective. That balance is superfluous, and he also says that contemplation is the most direct form of involvement. Therefore, is avoided by everybody, or however he says it. And yeah. and I really think of this as a, as a a classification error. This is this is like you know Bertrand Russell saying a set can't be a member of itself. Well, this mm. book is a member of itself.
0: Yes, because yes, it because of have. the premise. It yeah, yeah. it is uh it starts off as what looks like a normal you know i guess 1960s style science fiction novel and ends in a very different place um but it gets there quite quickly and it, it does progress now na- uh, in a in a kind of natural way and i i don't think he he you know he sort of just lost it i mean uh, some novels used you start reading them and you see, oh, oh the writer, he's lost it. He just, he's just writing now. He, he doesn't have any connection to what he, what he was planning to tell, talk about. Um, see, I, it's, I don't
3: mean to – it's funny because I'm going to have to be in the position of defending this novel since everyone else disliked it for, for
1: reasons no, it's that not, I don't – it's not that i didn't dislike it it's just that i didn't it didn't grab me enough to interrupt my holiday enough for me to finish the book in time to i mean i would probably finish it but it's just like i haven't got chance to do it before we did this recording which i feel bad about but that's
3: sure and i can imagine i mean you know i go back to new york two or three times a year just for an injection of attitude so um, <laughs> i know where you're at i was going to send you an email take go see the mingus big band but they're not in town uh but but anyway the I, I think this book does hold together. Uh, it, it, if you look at it from the the angle that I'm I'm trying to say here, that it that it is a member of itself, that it is a self referencing book. It's it's a.
0: It is. Uh, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was, I was saying it it appears to be a regular science fiction novel, um, but it is very meta. It is very much about itself.
1: Uh, yes, and it's
3: also very much about like. Solipsism. I mean,
0: yes,
1: presenting yes. the universe in the
3: mind. Uh, so what we're aware of may also. I was be. very
1: impressed by that, as, uh, that uh, with that as well. Did we talk about the the, um, not the cognitive dissonance? What was it called? The uh, metaphoric deformation. You, I love yeah, that. Yeah, and that. So let's just talk about that for a minute, because the idea being that if you're hit by so many things at once, which you don't <laughs> understand, you start associating them with them and picturing them in a way that you do understand and you start overlaying comfortable things and comfortable truths and comfortable objects, which you are used to over the top of them just to protect your own brain and consciousness and everything else like that, which I thought was really, really charming. Cause at one point, cause then at that point when yeah. he's like, Oh yeah. And my mother came along and it's like,
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. no uh, she didn't. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, and and there's lots of things that happened. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, and I did this and this." And then you're like, "No, he's." I, I might that
0: be even speak- true. I'm I'm I, I'm trying to think of you know if you drop somebody who wasn't expecting it, you drop somebody into a a foreign culture and you say, "Here, deal with this." Um, I think that they will they will try to apply all their old biases to. To the new culture wherever they are, so it, it it almost feels like you know something like Mark Twain would do in uh, some novel where he drops some somebody in Japan instead of uh, the Middle Ages or something, and they try to apply all the old um, stereotypes that that they're used well, to living with.
2: Yeah, Connecticut uh, well, Yankee and King Arthur's Court yeah, is that very thing.
0: In a way, yeah, um, but the world nicely conforms to him without us having to have that concept of right, metaphor deformation. Right. But I I think it probably is true too, you know, that, that, um, if, if you are so untethered from, you know, the slow gradual changes that normally happen in a society, I guess uh, there's a, they call it future shock uh, is the concept they were talking about in the seventies or whenever it was.
3: Yeah. Toffler.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that happened. People seem to have adjusted quite fine to – at least most people do.
1: Yeah. But what I really love about this in the book is that he goes, oh, and watch out for metaphorical defamation. He's like, what's that? And he's like, it's this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah this is going to come back. Oh, in, yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. In, and it's, it's a really great sort of like Chekhov's gun in for like literary ideas yep. in the, or like different ideas that are going to come up later in the book. But really he's just saying, actually – Anything can happen here, and it's probably just going to be in his head. You know, it's sort of like, "Hey guys, check this out," and then
3: yeah, um, I thought it's the it's he referenced Sancho Panza. He like calls it Sancho Panza syndrome. So yeah, the opposite. You look, of- you look mm-hmm. at a dragon and see a windmill. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yep.
1: and then you look at a windmill and you see a giant. Or something well, that's what like Don
3: that. Quixote did. Yeah, yeah, he,
1: yeah. That was the, it. Was the opposite way around? He mentioned both right. of them as well. Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff.
0: Yeah. So. So before Luke goes, let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, chapter nine, which I think is one of the greatest pieces of comedy ever written in a novel so far. Um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, it's just so wonderful. So this is straight after um, he's told he has to vacate his his um, his Martian body.
1: The point is, there's no point in spoiling this because you could just tell everybody the joke now and when they read it, it won't be funny anymore. Or we can assume people have read it, so that means we don't need to go into too much detail about what the joke is. We can just say, read this, read you know, chapter 9, because it is very, very funny. But there's no point in just repeating the joke. We can discuss it without repeating it, can't we? Uh, I, I suppose, sure. Yeah, I, again... It's, I think it's, if we just say it's the bit where he, he catches the egg for the first time, Right. And what that leads to is just really, really clever it 's in the way that you you get two sides of a story, and one people just believe the one side and the other people believe another side and yet there 's this whole chasm in the middle where they uh, uh where they don 't even know each other's sides exist and I just think that whole revelation there is 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 just layer upon layer because it happens once that whole idea of just not knowing what the other person is thinking once, and it happens once and then it happens again on top of that. When another character comes in and I was just like, whoa, that's just taking it another. It was already really funny. And then he layered that idea on top of it again. And then it was yeah, like but... it was like it quadrupled the funniness rather than just doubling the funniness as it came up. And that's what I thought was amazing about that section was I thought it was funny. And then he just hit me with exactly the same <laughs> joke again.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And just took it up to the next level, which I thought was yeah. amazing.
0: Well before yeah. he even gets that far though um there there's this the scene with his supervisor, right, yes, and that Brilliant. was the 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 prelude to what I said this novel is really going to get some good stuff because
2: yeah, I agree, you know
0: he meets the supervisor, the supervisor lays out the job for him in a very non specific way, and he asks for specifics and he doesn't get them, yeah, and then he asks again in a different way, slightly different way, and he keeps asking, keeps asking and uh, and then he gives this wonderful soliloquy that must be reproduced somewhere because it's, it's, it's just restating exactly what he's been told a thousand times before. Yeah. But in a, in almost Shakespearean style of um, delivery, it's, it's, uh, it's just wonderful.
1: Which is a bit weird because I didn't think that character would be able to do something like that. I thought that kind of conversation that he had at that it point... Totally was really at fit. It totally it doesn't was, fit what we know it about him. Before. Yeah, it's, it's like Robert Sheckley has this really good idea and these really good scenes and he just writes the scenes for this person but I, maybe it's because he landed in a body of somebody who had different skills. You, know, you can that explain, that explain it away. Yeah, you can no matter how it, you
0: that. do it, you have to love it because it's Yeah,
1: good. no matter which body that he lands in, he takes on part of the personality of the body that he's in but we never meet those people so it's like he like in the first body that he, he lands in, that the, uh, the person has a lisp so he talks for, in a lisp lith- for a while, and I thought that was very funny. That was uh, That's that you know that's could you know that's been done really well in lots of different things. But I thought it was so good as, as an audio book because it's not even mentioned anymore. But he's still talking with a lisp, and every right. time he mentions it, it's like, oh, what what's the chances? there? Eh? you know he he's told that his body is going to be just like his, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be you know it, it's going to be just as healthy and just as fit and just as everything. And then he lands in the body, and it's got a lisp. And he's like, "Really, a lisp?" <laughs> you know. But so he does take on aspects of the, the, the people's uh, personalities that he's he's joining. So maybe that that like uh, being able to make a really great, clever, wordy speech in that way, and it actually makes sense, and just to do it off the top of his head, maybe that's what his new alien body could do. But you know, it, it sounded a little bit strange compared to what we've heard of this guy up until what? that point. I th- well, think of, oh, Go ahead. Sorry. I,
3: I think actually that lisping is a theme. There's three lispers in the book.
1: Oh, is that? I'm I need to we, get, finish off. We the talked book at one
3: point. Uh, Zacrage is uh, is also a lisper in one of his incarnations, and uh, who was the third one? I'm trying to remember now. Um, but there, I, I remember. I remember. So it's not
1: just song. Marvin who gets a lisp
3: no all all three character you know the three there were three people who lisp and i can't remember who the third one is now and and it's oh it's in the it's in the french fantasy the aristocrat fantasy which i thought went on too long um to give us a background into the into the person they're trying to rescue and his family and all that sort of stuff i mean i understood Mm -hmm. why it was all in there but i would have cut some of that out um and but but i think that really the 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 most important – you're talking about the Chapter 9, which is the Ganser egg thing. The most important thing about that, besides the big gag and, and the reveal when he meets a, a full-grown Ganser, um, is that is the hermit that gets him out. That's
2: what I was going to say. The that hermit. was the a great,
0: the great transition, true.
2: Yeah,
3: but but the whole point to that is that they get inside his house, and then the hermit stops speaking in verse. <laughs> yes. and, oh,
1: that's great, yeah.
3: And they say – and the hermit says to him, you know – it works because I accept it on faith, which yeah. it's Sheckley hitting that angle of existentialism again. Yep. He's so, you know, I do think it hangs together and it has a structure.
0: It does, it's it just does.
3: not the traditional structure you're used to. And and even though it's, you know, there's the twisted world and all these crazy things happen in it and all that. Yeah, that Luke hasn't
0: got to the twisted world yet, I don't think. But
3: okay, but that's perfectly consistent with the book. The book, the book. Yes,
1: is constructed yeah, I understand that. Something
3: and it does it.
0: Uh, um you know. uh, when, when while we're in this scene, um the the when the when um try to do this without spoiling anything for Luke. Okay, so there's there's hey, a it's not
1: for me. I've not finished reading the book yet, so I don't want you to spoil other no, things. No, no,
0: no, <laughs> actually no. i uh, just thinking. Um okay, so there's in the in the uh the Ganser egg section, at one point the author sp- speaks in um and he he says, um, you know, someone is is very happy that something hasn't happened, and and then the author says, and of course, this person is suffering from the interventional interventionalist fallacy, and no. uh, and, and just that that uh, authorial voice coming in. I mean, it doesn't it isn't in there for the majority of the book, right? Um, but you know, that third person's perspective, rather than the tight third person perspective. um... Uh, you know that omniscient uh, perspective is 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 just the perfect. It It felt for me like a
1: like we know when you when you're reading a a fairy tale and it's sort of like and then they did this and he felt really bad about that and but you can actually like you can do this direct address with in in like a fairy tale kind of situation like like and what do you think happens next, children? You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of direct address to the reader from the like the omniscient narrator that you can get away with in that way. And I actually really you know i actually really like that if I, if i when i come across it these glimpses of it in in books i don't think i've ever read a full novel which actually does that all the way through ah uh,
0: douglas I adams does it constantly right is he he gives the background of you know what people are saying and then they comment on it and um it, yeah
1: that's true he does it was it. Does when i wrong. thought
0: oh this is douglas adams right this is exactly what douglas adams does um, yeah, it was right there and um there, there, there are a couple other great scenes. Um, one of them, I'm not sure. It must come uh, somewhere in between the theory of searches and uh, the Ganser egg scene, and it's when he meets this beautiful woman, uh, the alien woman, and yes. under under his um, uh, you know his new body, he finds her her body in, in, entirely desirable. Um, talking about the ripe ripe <laughs> greenness of her. Overpositors. <laughs> yes.
2: That right. was that was so wonderful.
0: It was wonderful.
3: Right. And again, I see that as, if you, you remember, you remember he names her Nancy. So it's not. Yeah. Was it it's an- not. It's not. Kathy. Every,
0: Kathy. Kathy. Oh,
3: right, right, right. I'm sorry. Which was I'm not
2: sorry. a beautiful name. It was kind of like Marvin to me. And that's what I also found amusing. No, Kathy's Certainly a good name. Kathy. Well, it's Cassie. just not – she was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Those people are named Dulcinea or whatever. But this right. is Kathy.
1: Very downhill, well, basic. Think, I think, you know, there's there's lots of Kathys in, in literature who have been Was it in Wuthering Heights? There's a Kathy, isn't there, or something like that? Um, Catherine?
3: Catherine. Catherine. Catherine,
0: yeah. Which yeah. Uh, maybe it's Kathy.
1: Okay, well, but, it just hit me that way.
0: It's like Madge. It's
1: not a – uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, ma- it's my mother's a, name as well, me. so it's never been a – it's never been a weird name for me, I guess.
2: No, I'm not saying it's weird. I'm just saying Marvin's kind of a goofy name to me, and but and Kathy's not. But Kathy's very to me. It's kind of goofy and funny.
3: In in the U.S., Luke Marvin is associated with Borschtbelt Belt comics, Jewish comedians who work the Northeast corridor. There's probably a bunch of them around you. Hey, right mom. Now.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah,
2: just kind of goofy. Just and Kathy is fine. It's just like. Not exactly like a farm girl, but just you know, just an average, regular girl.
1: Okay. You know, like not it's, a my, it's beautiful... my mother's name, so I don't have any of those kind of <laughs> well, associations. So, yes,
2: I know that's like Barbara's never going to sound like anything but my mom to me. But you know, um, so to me, I just went, oh, this gorgeous, gorgeous woman, Kathy. It's like saying Cindy or Susan or Betty. Or something. To me, I just found that an amusing touch. It's not worth dwelling on really.
0: Um right. is there any connection between Marvin the Paranoid Android and our main character, Marvin, other than their Or Marvin name.
1: Martian. That's who I thought of. Marvin the Martian. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know you. what? I didn't even think of that one. You're I think right? if you're saying it's a comedy name, I just think they picked comedy names for all of these people. I mean it just I think it's a it's a shared uh causality rather than one causing the other, I think.
3: I, I think, again, I have to go back to it's a function of its time. Roland Barthes had just said that the author was dead. Structuralism was on the rise. People were saying that, you know, it, the author's intent no longer mattered to what the piece actually meant. And, and, and in, in all of this sort of whirlwind of thought, you're an author and you're saying it's completely absurd. You know, yes. you're, you're, you're asking me to do something that doesn't matter. And what I'm trying to do doesn't matter. What I intended doesn't matter. Nothing matters. So I'm going to write a book about nothing mattering.
2: Yeah. But he was so funny on the way. That's, you know, <laughs>
3: well, absurdity and, is funny. That's yeah. Why the well, get the only if you brother.
2: do it right, because a lot of it didn't work for me. But I was flipping through this again, looking for Kathy's description. But what I found was I forgot about his culture of the people who give gifts.
3: Yeah. And the, and the reason the he bomb, wound up I in that it's... body
2: in the first place is yep. it had been yep. given a gift that was not going to work out for it, so Marvin rang. inherited it, right. um, which also was absurd, but just a rooted enough in a reality we understand to be funny also to me, which is where – that's why I guess the end of the book, it's not that it wasn't rooted in that reality. It's that it kept going and going, and I finally said, I really just don't care anymore. You know well, I started I, reading faster and faster and faster, uh, going, "Is anything going to happen I care about Oh, the end of the book if, that was interesting if he, had,
3: if he had chopped the aristocrat scene in half, you probably yes. would have had the steam to get through the end yeah uh, yeah, and I, and I thought the end was done as well as one could do it when one mm-hmm. is trying to explain the absurdity of the universe to you, so you know that's a hard thing to do because again, like the. The most important quote to me from that book is, Contemplation is the most direct form of involvement, therefore it is avoided by people
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: so he it you know he 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 has to prove to you that it doesn 't matter whether you 're involved or uninvolved again i I really think this he had Jonathan Swift in the back of his head. This is a pseudo-Gulliver's travels. He doesn't get to go mm-hmm. home between each adventure. But he, he, he basically is faced with the absurdities of the big Indians and the little Indians and the yahoos and the Winems and the, you know, all, all that, uh, the, you know, parallels to that appear in this book. And, and I don't think Swift, you know, existentialism didn't exist for Swift. So he didn't know what to call it and didn't use it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. the, the, <laughs> The mechanics of the humor and the mechanics of of when you truly are as rational and as objective as you can be, all you see is absurdity. That message is it is in both books. Uh-huh. Now, now I think Gulliver's Travels. I mean, you know, is definitely in my top ten, probably my top five. You know, written objects of all time, uh-huh. um, and so I don't put. Mind Swap in the same category with it. It it has a much wider scope Gulliver's Travels does. But but this is a sort well, of Well I think myth- I
1: think Gulliver's Travels is is much more of like a satire on so many different things than this book is. I mean, you could sort right. of see some it's little deeper. jibes here and there. Um but I think with Gulliver's Travels you can he gets much deeper into different issues than than Mind Swap does cuz Mind swap really is more just about hey, we're going to take this guy on a journey um, and each one is going to mean something to that person, or to, like you say, to the existentialism, and to the message that I want to give across. Whereas I think everything that you know, Gulliver does on Gulliver's Travels, each one of those stories is like a, has got a lot more to it.
0: I like, agree. So yeah, the size of, those of those the stories, idea yeah. that's the, that's the yeah. limiting factor. Then
3: this is yeah. the Laputa section, basically. It's not the yeah, like, like section Gulliver's stuff. Travels.
1: Yeah, look, Gulliver's Travels. Each one of his adventures or each one of his travels or each like new country or island that he gets to i think is is like a, a novel's worth of ideas in some in some ways Absolutely. whereas this one is a, this oh, one yeah. is just one one novel's, probably just slightly less than one novel's worth of ideas although let's like uh-huh. say i've only got two-thirds of the way through it so i need to i need to get through to the end
3: well, I, I certainly agree with, I mean, you know, like I said, this is one part of Gulliver's Travels, really, yeah. La Buddha. And, and um, yeah, I mean, Gulliver's Travels is, is sort of like the pinnacle of satire for me. You just, there isn't one out there that I've found that's better. So there's yeah, no way but, put I put a mind in this. Like, the category. thing is, it
1: is the classic, you know, Jonathan Swift is it's like that. He is the classic satirist that, like, I think, yeah, it's like it's so difficult to match that kind of, those ideas. And every time you sort of read satire, you're like, yeah, but Swift didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: I mean, not if you think about his whole career, like with a modest proposal—is that what they call the how her? to cook the yes. babies one? Yeah, it yeah. was the
1: brilliant. Manus, yes, Swift yeah, it's probably one of the greatest pieces of satire because you know, in, in my opinion, when you read it, it's just like this is amazing. This everything it makes sense. This is it such is. a great argument, and yet, yeah, so very yeah. well. I, it
3: it <laughs> yeah. makes me crazy that a lot of you know when I if you look in the children's section you'll see Gulliver's Travels and all mm-hmm. it is is the Lilliputian section and they don't do any yeah. you know anything else that just makes me insane because when I was a kid I mean a little kid and this this concept was first introduced to me it changed my whole world and it, it it gave it it was the fundament of my adult attitude that everything is <laughs> bullshit that it's all absurd crap you know. And that's what's protected me. And so just giving you the little fusion, you know, the inanity of the big enders and the little enders. And I don't even think that's they get so into the sad. edge. sad. Like, I know. I know.
2: I know. I mean, it's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. But it's, for me, I'm just like, oh, I love that I, book too. And I read the whole because thing. Because I want
1: to I I read was, it again hey, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I
2: just wrote it down.
1: Must yeah, reread. This, yeah, this is oh, happening yeah. all the time now. What was the other book that I was like, oh man, I've got to read that book again. Oh no, there was a few of them. There's the... Uh, um, uh, and I come out, oh yeah, the uh, uh, oh, I forgot the name is, is just dropped out of my head now. I can't believe this, but I need to go back and, and look at my list now because there's a few books like that. Which these classics, which I've not, have even not read before. I've not read for so long that it's uh, I need to well, get it. like, I, Jekyll and Hyde is, is one of those books I've never oh, read. Yes. But I, that's I
0: that's our next one. That's Such a well, great book, well worth it. Yeah,
3: that's yeah. well, well worth it.
2: Talk um, about like, an economy of really great writing.
0: Yeah.
3: To get yeah. across the idea. Yep. Uh, but, in terms of Gulliver 's travels, I probably hit it once every seven to ten years, just to it 's like New York you just go back there for an injection of attitude
1: yeah I think no, it 's like probably even... been about ten years since i read it, so I think I definitely need to go back and and check that out because it is you know it 's held up as a great satire and as one of the first like modern novels in a way so I think it'd be good to go back to that kind of route
3: yeah
0: sounds
1: good
2: Gee tells you where i 'm at I do that with Dracula, so you know way down there. <laughs>
3: I like Bram Stoker. Lair of the White Worm is great. I mean, that, that oh, yeah. stuff is... It's a
0: great it's movie. It's a travel. great, great movie. That's,
3: it's Ken Russell, isn't it?
0: The, yeah, the, the, yeah. it's the yeah, only yeah. one of his that I like. But Which uh, one? You don't,
3: you don't Lair like, of the White Worm. Oh, okay. Didn't he do Gothic? You don't like I
0: Gothic? didn't. You know, I liked the idea. I didn't like the movie. I, I liked okay. the idea of setting a, a story there. I just didn't like what he did with it.
3: Okay. Fair enough.
0: But, yeah, I, I actually saw uh Layer of the White Worm while I was in London. And I, I thought, what the hell is this movie? And it was the yeah. first thing I would seen in, in the UK. And I thought, they're keeping all this stuff from us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the stuff that comes to North America is, you know, uh, like on the buses or something very yeah. innocuous. And what they sent, you know, it's the first thing I see when I go to the UK is, is this <laughs> bizarre movie with um, – the you know the most bizarre uh, uh, sexual imagery and and, yeah. and weird caves and it's like what the hell is this? But um, that's one of the things though not standard.
2: <laughs> that my husband loved about. He lived in England for in London for a while when his father was over there for work and he was in high school and the beginning years of college. And he said, "Wow, the British—you'd never think it from our you know stereotype." But they're so open to all kinds of ideas. He says they love every kind of music, country, bluegrass, everything—things that American audiences won't look at a lot of the time. He goes, "Movies. They love all these ideas." And just hearing him say that really kind of changed my whole perception. It's that same thing of where did this movie come from,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Well, so I, an homage, I, I, Luke, the having to do with the city too, as well. Though you know. You, you, yeah,
2: like you New hang York out or in the
0: countryside Paris, you get country values Northern. and they're much more homogenous i guess uh, or appear to be anyways whereas so densely packed in the city you'll tend to get a little bit more uh, weirdness stirring up something yeah.
3: <laughs> I, it, I i don't know if that's the you know the shock of of your own of just being out of your own gestalt, because, I mean, I've been a lot the of... The
0: metaphoric things. deformation, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, to a certain It was degree. the 70s, so...
3: Like, the, like, for example, the first time I went to Africa, okay, there is no place on Earth that you've seen more pictures of but have not actually been to then Africa. You know how you see pictures mm-hmm. of the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty and then you're standing in front of her and she's in three dimensions and it's a whole different thing? Mm-hmm. And I got off the plane in Africa and I said, oh, my God, this is – I've seen so many pictures of this and all of it's coming to me in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I – Most of it is wrong. Yeah. Well, I actually, I love Africa. It's my – my the thing is, I, 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 if you're saying continent.
1: I love Africa, for me, it's like one of the biggest consonants. I think it's Asia, then okay. Africa. And right, I can I'll never qualify. understand because I've, I've, I've been to South Africa, I've been to Namibia, I've been to Tanzania, I've been to Morocco, I've been to Egypt, and all of these places are utterly different from each other in every Absolute. single way. That I, I agree. When people say Africa, I'm like, where do you mean in Africa? Like I went mm-hmm. to Kenya, and I went to Tanzania, to, to Mombasa, and also to Dar es Salaam, and they're two countries right next to each other, and they couldn't have been more different. They were probably more different than any two countries in Europe that I've been to. Uh, and uh, I, I, in terms of attitude agree. and, you know, the way that the society was and all these different things. And I just think it's that anytime someone says Africa, I'm like, where in Africa? <laughs> it always really that's bugs a, me about that.
3: That's a fair cop. And I'll accept that. I mean, it, personally, me, I'd say from, you know, Victoria Falls South. Uh, right. OK. OK. But, okay. but uh, you so know, like speaking- East and
1: South Africa area. Yeah,
3: okay. Speak, Yeah. But speaking to. It, it, it pro- probably primarily an American audience, they're not going to know the difference between Namibia and South Africa, even though, you know, the yep. history is incredible. I mean, what went on there and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so yes, when I say Africa, I guess I'm I'm uh, appealing more to a, a feeling, an idea. In other words, what I was talking about—that you see all these pictures of something and then when you get there it's three dimensions and and so the way africa is portrayed at least where i live in north america uh it's portrayed as a single thing Uh, but having been there i certainly see it as many different things and certainly north africa is incredibly different from you know the southern part of the continent and just i'm not arguing with you i'm agreeing with you but um uh, there's a conception over here that you know Mm -hmm. i mean if you talk, talk to the average American. Uh, they would think that, you know, you could see giraffes in Egypt. So... Mm -hmm.
0: Maybe
2: it's uh, a
1: zoo. Sort of so
2: like, sad, but probably true.
1: I went yeah. along to this sort of like cultural kind of fair thing. And the idea was that you're meant to be like like teaching kids about, you know, different countries and different cultures and things. And they were doing this different things, you know, like in China, they were talking about the Great Wall of China. I'm like, oh, okay, that's part of China. But then it got to Africa and all it was, was, you know, the kids that were having to draw pictures or make masks of elephants and lions and giraffes yeah. and things. And I'm like, you do know that actually people live in <laughs> Africa, you know, right. and it, and it, I just I just can't believe it. Like you know, there's like cities in in these places which are bigger than New York, you know, mm-hmm. well maybe not bigger than New York, but of that same kind, and everywhere has a culture of its own. You know, you go to you go to Cairo and it's or Alexandria and stuff like that, and it's, and and it's just full of humanity, and yet so many people just know. You know, and, and also I heard this thing of people going, right, okay, we're going to go to Africa and we're going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Do you know which country Mount Kilimanjaro is in?
0: It's near Kenya. I, I'm not sure if it's in Kenya. I think it's
1: not. Anyone else? I I thought of Kenya also. Yeah, it's yeah. in Tanzania. Yeah, it's next It's quite, it's, it's in the northern part of Tanzania, near Kenya. But it's just one of those things that when you go to Tanzania, it's all like, yeah, you know, Kilimanjaro is our mountain. It's a big big thing for them and you go to Kenya and they're like oh yeah we've got our own mountains <laughs> you know, and you know, we've got our own thing going on there and they don't you know even though a lot of people will probably go to Kenya before they go to, to uh, you know to Tanzania to go up Mount Kilimanjaro but it's just strange how I, I read this whole thing about it and you know and I listened to this whole radio show about it and they never once mentioned where the map which country the mountain was because all they needed to say is Africa And they, even they also don't talk
0: Ken- about Everest very much right uh, you know they don't talk about the country that Everest is in either
1: well it's actually in two countries so that's, that's what a I'm bit, saying that, is that's a little bit trickier Right. So, yeah. right. well Kilimanjaro
0: is basically in two countries as well it's just it's right on no, the
1: border it, no it really isn't right on the border that's the thing is very much the peak is very much it's, it's like visible
0: it's visible like
1: it's it's not ah, okay yeah okay if you right, say that it, but it's, it's, it is it's the present in, Africa. in Kenya yeah. anyway I don't know how he got onto this from Robert Sheckley but. I don't know but it actually <laughs> he was does traveling
2: everywhere y'all
3: yeah, But, but we, I was listening
2: ta- to the... Oh, go
3: ahead. We were talking about containers. Oh, the pictures. Oh, yeah, the, the pictures. This is categorization, and we're having the same discussion that we were having earlier when I said a set can't be a member of itself. So, and Luke objected to me using Africa as a set and making it a member of itself like it was a single thing. Yeah. So, you know, That's I'm the very librarian. clever to
1: bring that back in. <laughs> well, no, so you're, talking, you're talking about photographs yes. and seeing things in 3D. Tell, tell let's finish off that thought.
3: Well, no, that was the, the, I mean, you know, when something becomes real for you, I was just saying Africa was the one place I had seen more pictures of, but hadn't actually visited until the first time I went there. And yeah. when it hit me in three dimensions, it, it, you know, it hit me it just with such force, other than any other place that I've been, um, other than places that I really wanted to go, like, you know, that I had researched, like Angkor Wat and stuff like that, that was was different. I knew what to expect. Here, I thought I had seen, you know, pictures of the Big Five and, you know, everything that you're going to see there, and I was ready for it, and then we came to a watering hole, and there were, you know, over 2,000 animals there, and I just it just whacked me in the face and said, you know, you're actually here. You're actually, you know, a few, you know, a thousand yards from a lion right now. <laughs> and, and, and that whole, that whole thing just, you know, it, it all feeds back into the fact that it's all a big giant steaming pile of absurdity. And, and no matter <laughs> where you go, no matter what you do, Life is what? the, well,
2: Because you felt at home, and because you felt Africa? No, no, no. Take no, me through
3: uh, it. What I'm <laughs> saying is that in it, 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 its totality, if you take all of the feelings that have been evoked by me, in me, by the universe, and try to look at them as a whole thing, um, you know, essentially the equivalent of looking at them in a picture book, okay, it, it is completely absurd. the The differences between the places are so minimal and so vast at the same time that you're stuck in a mass of conflicting impulses. And, and even though it's good for you to be there, which is the message of the book, which is what Sheckley was saying, it's okay to embrace the absurd. And, and I'm just saying that that's, that it, no matter where you look, you're going to see that because that is what the universe is. It's essentially pointless.
0: I think Julie would disagree, but I I, 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 I follow your is. logic completely. I,
2: I understand your logic, I really do. But for me, what you're describing is part of the glory and excitement of being alive, and so I would say that's one thing. And the okay. other thing, I'm not saying that you're not saying that. I'm just saying, from my perspective, there is a, you know, hey, I'm Catholic. I know. I know. So there I've you go. Seen
3: your sight. Yeah. <laughs> <I> well <know. laughs>
2: but so the thing is, is I have this layer of meaning that I see that you are not seeing or don't. You know, that's fine. No, I don't. I don't care. That's fine. You're, but you're my getting... husband would look at all this. I'm thinking, and he's a, such a grounded guy. Of course, he doesn't read science fiction, but he has traveled a lot. He would look at it, and he'd go, you know, sometimes people just think too much. (laughs) And and he says that to me about Catholic stuff, and he's Catholic. So I'm just saying, um, to me, that starts to get into the level of you can't do anything with it. So.
3: I completely you know? agree with you. I, I also agree. There is glory and there is excitement, and and all of those things exist. And I was raised by you know I went I was I'm a product of all boys private Catholic academies in the Northeast. So <laughs> I I have an uncle who's a Monsignor and another one who's a bishop. So God uh, bless him.
2: Oh, sorry. <laughs> so,
3: no, 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 no. And and wow. we had a lot of serious conversations uh, when they could get me away from the old biddies in the family who had preconceived notions. Yeah. But uh, and I and I recognize the value of all that. Um j- you know, <laughs> it's at one point my yeah. uncles and I got to the end of a very complicated philosophical conversation and the uncle who's more practical, the one who actually had to <laughs> run things like a business yeah. Um, yeah. said said to me, You're you're just not in our target market. <laughs>
2: That's true. Sounds like my priest.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and I and he and I had you know to the day he died had a, a very respectful. We liked each other. We you know agreed on vast majorities of things and and all this sort of stuff. It just I just I can't believe in magic. I can't believe in the supernatural. But but um, other I than that, I also
2: don't believe in magic. However, um, the the thing I would say is more than anything is what I would respect more than anything is just searching for the truth. And each person has to do that in their own way. Period. And we're back to
3: the book. And that, again.
2: Right. And so that's, and that's the point of all the thinking, except that if yes. it never comes to any real conclusion, I mean, to me that to say that everything's absurd, why even be here?
0: Um, I well, I, that. I think, I think that's funny. Yeah. because It's funny. Th- I think it, I As think, long as
2: you take it that way, I guess that's true.
0: No, I think I think. But even even if you don't take it that way, some people don't. I mean, Sart Sart, and them, right. that crowd are kind of depressing, uh, perhaps. Uh, that uh, even if you don't, um, I don't think it it is. Uh, you know, the idea. You know, the what you have to live with doesn't necessarily uh, determine how you react to it, right? The facts don't necessarily determine. You know what I say exactly. is 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 how about how about the fact that yeah you can laugh at it and other people are are crying but the truth is the truth whatever that truth is it, or wh- however we approach it, um, but you don't reject something because it's because it's frightening because that that is uh, uh, no way to live I think
3: right uh, I you have to accept
0: it and whatever you know even if it's provisionally you have to accept it and just and hope. Uh, that, um, that, that's going to be consonant with whatever whatever it is you want, and since whatever you is whatever you want is is not up to you, good luck. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> good luck with it.
3: Yeah, exactly. But let me just just put a finer point on this because Julie, I want you to understand. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think the difference between myself and the people who who be hard asses on this concept is that I don't believe that what someone believes has to be true or not it's not a filter that I run things through so I may in terms of objective like if we were doing something in business I would look at you that way but but ultimately there's so many people that believe so many things that either are or are not true based on subjective criteria it's clear that the rule is what you believe does not necessarily have to be true and once you let go of that then you can get along with everybody
1: it's true it's true, and I think I don't think it has to be true, but it has to be valid. No, I
0: uh, I, I, yeah, that's what, No, I, I, I'm agreeing with. with
2: that's a good Greg. point. Yeah, that's the point. I was thinking there's something in there that yeah, and that's Luke. That's right. Yeah.
3: Fine, fine. I'm
2: just. I'm not saying. sure. I, I'm just,
1: maybe maybe I'm quibbling over nothing no. here. Yeah, well, it's, well, valid and sound, <laughs> as well yeah, as I'm being just, true. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, it can be. Um, <laughs> the thing is, if. If the rule, it's. I'm just. Take, let's take it back to the guy. The, the um, what is he called? The the guy who who spoke in rhyme. You know, the guy who spoke. Yeah. in...
3: Yeah. The hermit. Uh, the
1: hermit. In, yeah, the hermit. That was it. No, he didn't speak in, just in rhyme. He spoke in metered. So he was. Verse, you know, everything no. he was saying in, was in verse and stuff like that, and that kept him safe outside. And then he gets inside and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> I, I just talk normally now." And they're like, "What?" And but the thing is, his, I'm not
0: empirically testing this where,
1: where I'm going to die, right? Yeah, it's like, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's like he had a system. And the system worked for him. It might have been bullshit. It might not have been. We'll we'll never find out because we leave him behind, and we never see the end of his story. Maybe the next day he'll go out and get eaten or trodden on, or whatever's going. You know, whatever could happen to, to him in that area. Um, but then, yeah. So I thought that was a bit uh, was really cool in that way, and and I could see that being a setup for something else later in the book. Which of course I haven't got to, but I think that you're sort of, um, talking a bit about now is that you you know the way that you look at life it, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be truthful um but it, it, exactly. there is some validity there and i think that brings it back to you know like uh, yesterday i was having this long conversation about um people having spiritual experiences now i don't th- i've had many spiritual experiences you know i was brought up in a christian home and and uh, and you know that whole jesus camp kind of thing you know that that's what i did those experiences that i had to me were real experiences however not true to the explanations that I was being given by, like the ministers and you know the, the religious people, however, they were very valid and meaningful, you know, and that's yep. why people keep. That's why a lot of people. I keep think that's, back to
0: that's what church. you say about fiction too. This is a true book, even though it's about fictional characters yes, and what they're, they're talking about is it. completely impossible. Yeah, um, so this is a, this is testing this is uh, testing out an idea, and everything it says is logically consonant with what it, what came before, and.
1: But what yeah, I'm saying is that truth, true and false. truth doesn't mean, doesn't mean uh, real. No, what I'm saying is that real doesn't mean truth, because I'd say truth is, let me say, truth could be objective truth, okay? So we know that when someone's having a spiritual experience, we can, you know, we can control that by putting an electrode in someone's brain or you know, by doing trans- cranial, you uh, Yeah, magnetic kind of stuff. Experience. Yeah, and you, yeah. Can, and you can recreate the same kind of thing with drugs. not exactly the same kind of thing because, you know, everything's contextual. You know, there's stuff here and there that you, you, you can't reproduce because it's sort of very much in the moment. Just but go to the desert
0: for 30 days and you'll, be, you'll, you'll have one.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and people, even religions, do put you into controlled environments where they know that you can have a spiritual experience. That's what the whole sort of charismatic movement was around. They found this formula which made people giddy. Um, and, uh, well, that wasn't all of it, but, you know, I'm just saying that's part of it. And and I think that what people are going through is real, but it's not true to their explanations. That's Do you right. understand what I'm saying? Yep. And I think that's very important, that just because something isn't true doesn't make it inv- invalid, and it doesn't make it not real. It just makes it not objectively true.
2: Yeah, and maybe the word is not true so much as honest. It's um, fair enough. You know, but, because but, each person... Is going to see things differently based on all their subjective things, the situation they're in versus anyone else. But it's that you have to be honest with what you encounter and how you use that, you know? Granted, granted. And that's why I, Greg, also don't have, I mean, I came from the complete opposite. Um, Like maybe Luke and I took opposite journeys because I read that blog post. You wrote, which I liked very much about your faith and everything.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. uh, I think I sent you that, didn't you?
2: Yeah. And I think Scott also sent it to me. Everybody sent it to me. But um, (laughs) but it it is the thing of I was like, I absolutely see what Luke was saying because I absolutely see where I was coming from. Because the most you can ask is that you take in what you're given or, you know, and you're honest about it one way or the other. Yeah. And in yeah, the I, end, I that's what, you know, in my terminology, I would say that's what you're judged on, which is why St. Thomas Aquinas said, if you really honestly don't believe what the Catholic Church is saying, you're wrong to stay. That's that you've got yeah. to be honest. And, but it doesn't mean you have to close your eyes to stuff. You have to take it all in one way or the other. So um, I, that's I why I don't have a problem with any of that.
3: So, I, I think that, you know, you and I could go out to dinner and be perfectly fine. And, and I think one of the reasons, I, I, now you've explained to me your side of it. My side of it is that, to me, truth is relative. And, and our definition of truth changes based on how much we know. So if I'm going to accept the premise that truth is relative, and I'm sitting across the table from someone who believes in absolute truth, well, that is one of the relative states that truth could be in. Even though I don't necessarily accept it, because I think it's evolving. So, there, yeah, so their so
1: their whole thing fits into your set. Yep, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, he's got it's,
2: the biggest set ever.
0: It
1: it, 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 is, that's it. it is it
2: is the whole
3: universe. Because
0: yeah. I mean, the thing about Julie that makes her different from a lot of Christians I have to talk to is that she <laughs> has read a lot of books and she <laughs> realizes that uh, other books exist and. And that they bring ideas that are not always consonant with whatever the guy at the front of the church is saying. Um, and, and that extra fact uh, makes her completely talkable. Whereas the other people you say, no, you've got to <laughs> sit down and read this big stack of books. And then you can talk to me because what you're saying is nonsense right now.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah, Raise, the, raise the level a bit, and then you can come back and talk. <laughs> Absolutely, me. because you know, just uh, it's uh, it's why you know, yeah, you, you know, you, you have to you have a discourse at one level, and other people are at a different level. But you think your right. level is above theirs. So, it uh, is.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> not that I think it is. I know it is. Because, uh, <laughs>
1: when, uh, <you> damn
0: no, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it almost it. it sh- that's why it shocked me so much. I, the story just came up again. Uh, Margaret Atwood is getting attacked in the in the Canadian news uh, for something she said last year on a podcast interview. Um, she apparently is against the new Fox News uh, style uh, application for a television station in Canada, um, and oh, that, that makes sense, right? That we would want not want to have that. But the problem is, is she she is not um, you know she denies. Uh, Apollo moon missions happened right so that very fact makes everything she says come into question Uh, and I agree I agree I completely agree with that um and this is I also agree that it's a bad idea to have a Fox News style channel even though I don't watch television I still think you know making making stupid easier is not uh is not a good thing
3: well, it's hegemony. You're manipulating people. You're, you're saying, "Look at the shiny thing," while I take away your rights. It's. Uh, I, I it's too to say in,
2: both sides do that, and that's why I don't watch most news. I agree. Honestly. I agree. It,
3: yeah, I mean, yeah. down here we have MSNBC and Fox, and they're diametrically opposed. And, yeah. And I absolutely and both are agree shameful. You. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I, I yell at Keith Olbermann as much as I yell at Glenn Beck. So, uh, but I, I watch. avoid both. I, I, I need to know what the enemy is doing.
0: I just watched The Daily Show. That tells me <laughs> what both are
3: that's doing. A great, that's a great aggregator. But if you it ever is. sat down and watched Glenn Beck do his snake dance for an hour, <laughs> you would understand <laughs> how he sucks people in. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? He's he's using tried and true tactics. And as much as I, I, I'm i very cynical about the guy, I... I he, he is good at what respect, he does. In respect terms his of,
0: his, uh, his performance. He
3: he reaches his audience, and and he does make it. sound sam- and he's got the same message that these guys have always had all of their lives. Smart people are making the universe complex. It's not. It's their fault. The universe isn't complex. It's simple. No. And whereas the smart people, if they end up getting on the show, they they're always saying, look. I didn't make the universe complex. I'm just reporting on the findings. And he goes, ah, pa 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 pa. It's just not that complicated. Mm. And and he's very good at doing that. And that has always been the primary stifling influence against progress through through the entire history of the planet. Which is why I need to know what these guys are up to. That's the only reason I watch them. And I watch. I mean, not every day. Don't get me wrong. But every now and then, <laughs> you sample I, it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, just to see what the enemy's doing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the enemy. I like it. Um, the enemy of uh, of nuance, I think, is what it is. The enemy yeah. of
1: of well ben of, likes. Of, of I like remembering quotes. I think that's that's the that's the money quote. The 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 enemy of nuance. That's good. Yeah, yeah. but also
0: the enemy of history, because w- what I like so much about the Daily Show is is just. it remembers what happened last week and it remembers what happened two years ago so say wait a second weren't you the guy who was you know saying that that we should never do that and then they bring up that quote right yeah you just said two years ago you said this is the worst thing possible and then of course they're doing it right it's it's the enemy of history it's the enemy of caring about uh, being consistent with something and that is the is the his, the worst possible sin you can commit is to deny history, to deny something that is happening, ha- has happened, because it's uh, rejecting reality. Not just saying reality is many things. It's, it's just rejecting reality and living somewhere else, I think.
3: Yeah, well, this is self-evidence. I mean, this is why they argued with Jefferson about putting that in, <laughs> in the letter. It was, you know? He
0: was wrong. It's not yeah, self He was
3: wrong. Absolutely. It is not self And
0: it's, it's rhetoric, and it's bad rhetoric, because it's yep. wrong.
3: Yep. So both I mean, It sounds exactly. nice.
0: It sounds yeah. really nice, but it's absolutely false. Yep. And it, they're not inalienable. They're totally inalienable. Right. Why you have to put them in the fucking Constitution.
3: Right. There are no human rights. There are civil rights, and that's it. Yes. I mean, you know, I could subjugate There should you be there human rights.
0: Okay. I agree.
3: Yeah, me too. That's
0: why we have to make documents and yep. defend them.
3: Yep
1: see agree. this
2: is why i watch 30 rock <laughs> i don't worry about that stuff i get my satire from there they skewer both sides and i like that
0: yeah but it, it is only american that's the the they they sorry I, I, I love it but it is only talking about the united states well, you well also
2: had, i you don't have cable see so i just go kids by the, the and hall Anna is not and very DVDs.
0: <laughs> it is it, it really doesn't teach you anything all it does is, is make you laugh um that's I, a good thing it, it, is, it absolutely is and and uh, I'm it did pretty well in the states I think I think most things that are quite good actually do very well in the states there's just so big right you you have the potential of
3: of niche markets yeah that's
0: right you have tons of people who you know I always say it this way is the United States is the greatest country in the world uh, because it has all the great failures and the great Wonderfulnesses <laughs> that go along with greatness, right? Yep,
3: yep. yep.
0: I'd much, yeah. I'd much rather live in Canada where it's nice and safe, and people are, you know, very passive aggressive in their, uh, in, in everything they do. <laughs> but uh, if you want greatness, you go to the states. Great, great failures and great, great wonders. Oh,
2: you! It's true, you though. Me wow, think of Mark Twain. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's an there's a great example why the United States is the greatest country ever.
2: Yes, he loved to point out all those things.
3: Yeah, and I think it's in just the same angle of decline it is as it was when he was pointing <laughs> them out. So, I th- yeah, we're yeah, very full of ourselves. Thing. Yeah, we, that's the The reason people don't know individual countries in Africa, Luke, here, is because we only care about what happens here. And, and there's a few of us that don't, but most people, you know, well, that happens somewhere else. You know,
1: yeah, um, I, I had this also, idea for a while that what. No, what, that's 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 so a global thing. I think, I think oh, everyone I, I think is, a is, is takes everyone else as just someone else. It's the, no,
3: it's the superpower I'm just, I'm, thing. I'm saying
1: it, I'm saying no. that the peop, people around the world, people in Africa, don't care about the different countries in Europe. To them, it's just Europe, unless they speak French and then they want to go to France. You know, it's that kind of thing. I think it's a right. universal thing. So it's not just, oh, that's just America. I think you're doing yourself down. I think I'm going to do everyone down in a way that everybody doesn't care about anybody else's continent, rather than... I, th- I
3: think on one level that's Nobody true.
1: cares yeah. about Africa. The, the, uh, have you, have you- that is totally clear. Unless you live
0: there. Well, yeah. No, oh, no I'm, the no, thing, I'm no. just saying, you know, as a general rule, no one in Europe or Asia or, or North America or and, and second, second place, no one cares about South America either, right? The Correct. only people who care are the larger agencies and the occasional tourist. it's not, it's not a, It's not a going concern, right
1: Footballers care about South
0: America yeah are there are the exceptions, but as a general rule, so one of the solutions I came up with was the only way to to uh, make Americans care about other America, you know, about other countries was to incorporate them into the United States. Is it's, it's a, a horrible plan, and I think it's a really <laughs> terrible plan. And they yeah, might be trying that. to execute it, but I, I i think, I think that you know, if if uh, Tanzania was a part of the United States, was a voting state, which would never happen. But no, I, I don't know, know
2: much about Puerto to Rico. Care. Okay, you know, they,
3: yeah, so yeah. There's something from but, the south about
2: but here's the thing. I think if you know somebody from those places and you're likely to know somebody from somewhere unusual in the United States or anywhere, probably England, wherever, that people migrate a lot, but um you're likely to perk your ears up more about that, and I'll never forget the time that you know I was in my early twenties and kids were little, and this nice lady down the street, oh, she's from Canada, and I'm like, just like me, right until one day she turns on me and just goes ballistic over the fact that I don't know who their prime minister is in Canada. And I'm like, (laughs) I didn't know I had to. And I'm very sorry. And I didn't realize I was a worldwide global elitist. And then I said, who's running Guam? What's that guy's name?
0: And she went, what? And I
2: said, Guam? It's
0: about as important as Canada.
2: Right. But she didn't know. And I was like, so don't tell me. The people of Guam probably would like the people of Canada to know who's running their country. It all is relative to where you live and what's important to you. I'm not going to Africa. If I was, I would study up on it,
1: you know. I mean Whereabouts in Africa are you not gonna yeah. to go to? <laughs> I'd go to anywhere in
2: Africa I could get a ticket to if I could afford it. I'd love oh, to, so
1: to, it to it for
2: Asia or any of those I yeah. love to travel and the point you were making about Africa, how you never really felt it until you know it was in three D. I was gonna say yeah. That kind of goes back to what Marvin wanted, because I felt that way when I went to Paris. I haven't been to tons of places because, you know, money. But when we went to Paris, my husband and I, for the first time, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's it's kind of rained lately and there's all these classic buildings and. If yeah. only somebody were playing an accordion, this would be just like a movie. But I could smell it and taste it and all that stuff, and it became a real place. And that's, You mean somebody
1: wasn't playing an accordion in Paris?
2: I wish they had really? been because I was right outside of Notre Dame, and the, the lights were lit. And I mean, seriously, I wasn't standing next to the right cafe, I guess, for tourists. But um, But it's those things. Until you go there and interact with the people and everything, that's what Marvin wanted. Now, whether it's yeah. absurd or not depends on your point of view, Sheckley's or yours or mine or whatever. Exactly. It's um, all, but that's it's universal. All right. You only can know what, what you've experienced in that way.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Very nice. Right, guys, I've got to head off, but uh, I think stay, we're done. I stayed chatting a lot longer, but I think we've done a good discussion here. We started off with Sheckley, but I think we ranged all over. Just, so we should we just finish by saying should people read this book? I'm going to finish it off definitely, but I just like to say my my life's been a bit crazy recently, so I didn't manage to do any of it. I actually got another book, um, the, the the last book in, of Peter F Hamilton's series, but a book that I've been waiting for for ages. I bought it new, hardcover, and I've read like a hundred pages of it just because I've not been not been able to get through it. So it's not just this book; it's also like one of my most anticipated books of the last year and a half. i have also not wow. managed to get into so. Robert Shepley has to wait. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm one's an audio book and one's a, a reading, reading book, but uh, like a proper paper book. But I'm just saying that uh, it's not just this book that I've not been reading. It's not like, oh, I didn't bother with this and I've been reading other stuff. No, I've just not been reading anything. But I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I'll definitely read through to the end at some point. It just it got bogged down a bit and I was just like, mm, don't have time.
2: I would well, say I'd rather tell somebody to read Gulliver's Travels.
1: Yeah, I think that <laughs> should
0: come up on the the list of uh, things to read again soon.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I, I would recommend Gulliver's Travels wholeheartedly over this, but I would also say this is not this isn't a waste of
0: time. No, it's got it's got two of the greatest scenes ever, and it's got a bunch of other ones that are <laughs> are good. And uh, if you're deeply deeply in, enjoying uh, existentialist thought, I think it's probably got something for you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah just
2: keep that in mind when you're reading it. It will help through some of those slow sections.
0: I, 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 I appreciate existentialism, but it, it's, uh, most of the writers are much too um, depressing, uh, as mm-hmm. in they are depressed and they, they want to explain communicate that to you. And I'm more like, yeah, so the That's, universe has no meaning. Got it. No problem. Let's move on. That's an
3: extremely <laughs> unfair indictment of
0: I know, philosophers.
3: I, but <laughs> they, they were a bunch of fun-loving guys who would go to the bar with you and pound beers. I'm
1: telling you, these they, they
0: and then yeah,
1: they, they should have written
2: they, more cheerful works. That's all there, I can they're, say.
1: They're, they're no, done, they should have put in the Ganza egg scene into there, but exactly, yes. exactly. And, and that's why or this two book is would good. Have things up, right.
3: right? And that's why this book is good and worth it because it's it's not like reading Heidegger; it's like reading Sheckley. Mm-hmm. and yeah. and. You can still get, which I same. think is worth doing. Sure. I think there's two
1: books now that I've got into. The first book, really, I, I read it quite all the way through very quickly. Uh, but like I say, this one, just for circumstances, I didn't. Well, you know, uh,
0: I I mostly know him. This, this is the first two novels I've read of his, and I mostly know him by his short stories, which I think he is probably well, well regarded for, rather than his novels, and they are wonderful. Every short story yeah. I've read of his has been wonderful. Um, uh I'm reading City by um Clifford Mack. I must have read it years and years ago and yeah. I just started it again and it's it's wonderful. I
2: like him. He's a really good author.
0: He's great. Me author. too. Me too. Yeah. Um this one has conflict. <laughs> the last one I said it was the Gee, first, the didn't other have one any did
2: conflict. too, Jesse, but we'll have to talk about that some other time, we right? Did, we
0: did. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying this one definitely has conflict. Well um, on the
3: next exciting episode of
0: <laughs> Right. Actually Destiny the next Julie arguing. Yeah. The next uh um read along will be uh as far as I am aware it will be the October um Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde. By Good stuff
1: Louis Stevenson.
2: Yep. Hardly right. get better than Stevenson.
1: No? Hey, I just no. took, I just found these quotes on I I just looked up Robert Jekyll on Wikipedia and and Brian Aldis says loses his best is Voltaire and Soda. J G Ballard says Robert Sheckley's witty and genius. A draft of pure Voltaire and tonic. So I mm-hmm.
0: think they're reading this uh, the same script or rewriting I, I, each other's.
1: <laughs> I'm quotes. just saying who who said it's Voltaire and Soden? Who says it's Voltaire and Sonic? Uh, no, Sonic, tonic. Um, which I thought is, is a, a funny little, a funny little. Mm. Thing well,
0: Greg Greg doesn't seem to think he's Voltaire. I, I mentioned Candide, but um, the, I, I don't. The jacket
2: think it's, says Candide. Oh, doesn't? I, I, I think I think there's did, some. Did you
1: do the paper version, Julie.
2: I did. Saying, no, this
1: this I, book might not be They're talking about Sheckler's work in general rather than just... Uh, oh. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Okay. Well, this I
2: is Mind Swap is a modern mixture of Gulliver's Travels and the Circus of Dr. Lau, which I don't know. A descendant uh, in the direct line of the great satiric tradition of Candide. It holds up to life a purposely distorted mirror that extrapolates the real world in order to reflect hidden hugely comic inner truths, which mm-hmm. since I've been reading Flannery O'Connor kind of goes in line with that, but in the opposite direction, mm. of course.
3: So. Yeah, well, whatever that person's getting paid, they should, you know, get a bit of a raise that's, because that's as perfect to final light as you could put this novel in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think yeah. most dust jackets, we, we did this on the, was it on the last episode? No, two episodes ago yeah. when, when me and Scott and Jesse were doing the keyword game of the, of the back of these, you know, of the, oh, uh, the blurts yeah. on the back of the And I think that's actually a good one because that says exactly what it is. And you go, oh, mm-hmm. I'll read that. Yeah, you know, that's good. Rather than yeah. saying, in a world. Right.
3: right. Yeah. He never made, they never made, yeah. they never make those worlds. It's the like Howard the Duck thing that comes back over and over again.
1: <laughs> right, okay, are we gone? Because then I'll, I'll head off. We're done. Okay. We're oh, done. Oh, actually, Greg, I need to, I need to nice. send you an email about something. I have a, 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 a project <laughs> or, or uh, something I need to talk to you about. Not a project, but uh, something. But oh, I'll, yeah. I'll email you. But I don't have time to talk about it now, but I'll, I'll catch you, talk to you about that later. Lay it on me. Okay, catch you later, guys. Bye. Bye.
3: See you, Luke. Bye. And I guess, uh, yeah, goodbye, Julie and uh, Jesse. Have a nice day.
0: Yeah, you and, too. Uh, um, actually, uh, if, you, if you're in the need for some audiobooks, come on up because Scott sent me a whole load, giant load of audiobooks. Okay, okay. So then, uh, right Today
3: now. I'm going
1: to Coney Island. Bye.
3: Oh, have fun. <laughs> get a Nathan's foot long.
1: Everyone's told me that. Right get a exactly. rabbit.
0: <laughs> Bye. So, Coney Coney Island. Yep. Uh, y- yeah, Luke wants to talk to you about his our, our art podcast. He's, he's talking about I guess after we talked about what was that last book he did. Uh,
3: yeah. Earth uh, Abides. Uh, yeah, Earth Abides. Yeah.
0: yeah. He was saying he was re-listening to the podcast, and he's he does a uh, he's doing a podcast talking to artists, and he thought he'd talk to you. Which um, I would
2: love yeah. to hear because I listened to that and you guys both would say, well, I have very definite opinions about art, but I can't go into it here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, hey. No, hey. You
0: <laughs> I want to so, know. You know. You know what he was treating me like? Uh, uh, Greg was treating me like a, a guy who hadn't read a big stack of books.
3: No, <laughs> oh, that's not true. Yeah, <laughs> oh, cause come
2: on. I wasn't there because I was like, OK, I don't have black velvet paintings on my walls, but, you know, I'm the kind who goes, I know what I like and I do or don't like this. But I kind of just was more on your side, so. You uh, no,
0: no, I, I think I'm, I think I, that, in the end, that they're right, that they're, there, there, wasn't enough meat in there to talk about that. The book wasn't really talking about art. It, well, it I was going to have to read in, the book first. Mentioned art, so. I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, Greg, uh, Greg, has got this. Uh, he said, "What was it? Art, art was, art and skill, or art and, art." Craft. art and craft are all yeah. the same thing. And so when you try and separate it and I, I like that idea, but um, that's not what most people wandering around the halls, uh, talking about buying art or, you know, making art artists. Well, I don't think that's what they talk about. I could be. yeah.
2: And I think I have a different perspective because I working in graphic arts, but we've always tried to find what is the definition? Cause people go, Oh, you're so creative. We're like, no, Oh, you're just, you know, workers. No. And so finally what we came up with is we're craftsmen. Mm. That's the combination of the utility plus trying to make it a little more artful and better. Right. You know, like you go through an ancient German town and the hinges on the windows are like gorgeous little cute frogs or something. But that's not art. That's a creative expression while you're doing the work. And that's a craftsman which is what it wow. sounded like you were talking about, but I think I tr- I've tried to read that book two or three times and never did not
0: You didn't like get it. into Earth Abides?
2: Yeah, oh, I might try it again. Now. The yeah, I put it back on my reading list Wonderful. after listening to you guys because I was really interested in the hammer. I don't know why the hammer grabbed me. I wanted to know <laughs> more about the hammer, so I was interested. There's so, not much
0: more than what we talked about, I think. Uh, we probably exhausted the hammer completely. Hey, John,
2: are you going to make me take it off my list by telling hey, me things like
0: this? Um, you know? I should tell you, since we're talking about art, um, the post I put up about this, uh, by, it. yeah, it's getting a lot of response. I knew I it would, that's and that's kind of why I didn't want to post it up. But the problem is it's, it's, um, it's uh, it, I, I literally do have to rewrite it every yeah. week, not week, every month or so. And it's wow. pissing me off that I have to keep, so now I can just, because I feel, I feel bad. I feel bad. No. You know, no, sorry, I'm not interested in your subject. It's like
2: yeah, it'd be like hey, my dad. Just go, yeah, I just don't care about it." Move no, on. But uh, which drove my mother crazy.
0: Yeah, it, it she loves music. And yeah, he wasn't tone everybody, deaf. Everybody loves music and I'm not tone deaf.
2: No. I, just, I love it. Yes, I mean, but I don't listen yes, to it a actually, lot.
0: I'm, so I'm in the 69th percentile so that that means I'm um less tone deaf than most people.
2: Yeah. You're just it's you're just you. You don't have to love it. It's okay. That's the way I look at it. Some people can't swim. They live a good life. You don't have to like music. You can live a very good life. Should, You're going to not appreciate a good movie I, as much as some, but, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> no, see, that's what I said is uh, is if it's in a movie, I, I have no problem with music.
2: Oh, you just don't okay. want to listen to it by itself. I guess I was reading too fast. I didn't pay attention. Yeah, I, I,
0: you know, if, if I, or if it's associated with, with um and And it's actually it, lyrics are okay too it 's just that uh I have to have some connection to them right, and I also don't want to listen to them again and again right it's I listen to it once that's that was good next time right and it, it's like not normal that's not normal people want to do it differently
3: i i don't when I was in college they were they were doing brain studies and they wanted me to because i was when I was a music major they wanted me to come in and do this study and basically the um, when they would play something, both sides of my brain would light up. So not only was I enjoying it, but I was analyzing it at the same time. And that's why I can listen to things over and over again, especially things like, you know, Charlie Parker or, you know, the guys who were doing oh. it in real time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to analyze that while it's going by at warp speed mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. So I, you know, I hear... If I can listen to something and hear something different in it every time I listen to it, I listen to that a lot. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that I can't really learn from, I don't, I don't listen to it or like it. So maybe it's your lack yeah. of analytical skills regarding the actual chromatic scale.
0: Well, I, I, di- I did take this this uh, this quiz, and I, you know, it's a neuroimaging laboratory. Uh, what they do is they give you, uh, I think, eighty questions, uh, not questions. They give wow. you 80, sa- 80 samples of. Because um, I hadn't really considered. Well, maybe I am tone deaf. I don't really know what that means, right? So obviously, deaf to tone. Okay. Well, I listened to it and I didn't. I didn't do very badly. I didn't do wonder. I didn't. You know, uh, I'm not a musical interpreting genius, but I got most of them right, and actually did better than most. So. That's not the problem. It must be something I don't,
2: else. I, don't, I wouldn't look at it as a problem, though. I mean, that's yeah. why would it be a problem? Just because you're no, different than some other people who will listen to some piece of crap a thousand times, really? Well, no, you
0: know? I, but I think I think that um, like when I uh, as, experiential this, as this for you, no, but as this person who doesn't who doesn't uh, think about music as much as other people, right? I actually end up seeing how much music how pervasive music is in everything. So iTunes, right? It's not about music anymore. It never has been. But MP three is equivalent to music. That's what everybody thinks, right? Not for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Not for me either. Or yeah. for anybody in our household,
3: but certainly but not but people doing audiobooks. I mean
0: everything, no, but even like you, Greg, you you do audio books but you also do music, right? And that's so true? I have and it's
3: this a, it's a much greater love than the audiobooks. I've been I'm doing sure. music since I'm, I was 5, so Right.
0: Um, but I'm I'm looking at this 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 world where everybody's into this subject and I, 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 it's like I'm gay and I'm the only gay
2: person. <laughs> <laughs> And you're the only one, right? That's right.
0: Because I did a search for I I hate music, right? I did a search yeah. for, and there are lots of them, but they're all talking about a specific one. They're all talking like, I hate rap music or I hate this mu- West country music. Or, I hate-. And there's, there's uh, nobody who said basically what I said. And that is very strange.
2: Well, there's a book called This Is Your Brain on Music. Yeah. And my husband read it because he absolutely loves music. Rose, our youngest daughter, loves music. They both and my mother hear original music in their heads. 24-7. Me too. Yeah, well, see, you're another I one of those people. But
0: I can't say I don't either.
2: Well, I don't hear original music in my head. I may get a tune stuck in there. I'll have t- scraps of music come to me, but I'm not hearing music most of the time. I'm hearing words, you know, which is why when I'm looking, which is why I was saying the Kindle may or may not work. For, I mean, I like the Kindle fine, but for regular reading, I'm always going to go to a book, I think, because when I remember a f- scrap of something, I remember where it is on the page, how it's formatted, how it looks, mm-hmm. where it is in the book, kind of right. first third. The, so I'm very visually connected to that text in a way that I didn't expect till I got the Kindle. But like you with the music, listening to an audio book, I remember where was I when I was, Oh, I listened to this. Oh, I remember sweeping the floor on Saturday afternoons. Oh, I remember driving to mom's when you know my dad was sick. Oh, that's what music is for you. And I don't, that's why, that's not a big deal. So what? I mean,
0: no, maybe yeah, I could say I mean,
2: that because it's, cause it's a big not bugging deal because, me. But. Because
0: uh, like what somebody said, I think they said, uh, how do you feel about abstract art? Well, the thing is, is nobody's wandering around shoving abstract art in my face, right? That's not, <laughs> it's not an issue. Yeah. Whereas everybody has their music on and they want to share it with you. Right hmm. and nobody wants to shove abstract art in your face except for some very strange people and they they they've got other people they that are already receptive to that i assume so um it because of the nature of the the media yeah. right it it is
2: it's pervasive you're right it's
0: very pervasive and and it's so pervasive that um uh it's 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 like i i'm a wacko Christian who thinks you know homosexuality is being flouted everywhere. Uh, well, it's, Flat it's earth. I'm a wacko right? non non music dude who thinks uh, music. So how is
3: do funny. how do you differ from a deaf person?
0: Uh it's a good point. I can't hear it's the music. Point. Um. Well, apparently, <laughs> deaf some deaf people like music, anyways.
3: Uh, oh. Well, they can feel it. I mean, Beethoven yeah. would just yeah you know, yeah get a bone phone there. He'd lay on the piano, but uh, <laughs> it's. I think that there are to me it's all the same thing okay i mean you, you you actually made a distinction between like for example, you know reading an audiobook and uh and and playing music i don't i mean people at least the letters I get except for the people that yell at me about too much emphasis on my work that's the only criticism I ever get is that i'm too emphatic
0: yeah i, I think somebody um, somebody wrote, wrote something like that they said he he's he he's trying to italicize every Every some some word in every sentence.
3: They always compare it. Oh, I saw to that, James yeah. T. Every other Kirk. word. Free
0: listen. Yeah, right. that. That makes that's me crazy. Business. I mean No, you don't you you know what? It's it's because they, they don't have a lot of other references, I think.
3: I don't know. I mean I do not sound
0: like <laughs> William Shatner. Okay? Right, I, that was
2: it. I that was, was it. And I was that. I was like, I've heard him read before many times. He didn't do that. No. Although I might no. laugh if he did, but okay.
3: But the point is that all they, that stuff too to me enough. That 's all it, it you know the, the the audiobook readings are music they 're in a time signature to me they're in three four. every audiobook I 've ever done is a waltz. I gotcha okay. so so the rhythms that i 'm using you're, you're already hip to a bunch of these rhythms because you 're listening to them in the books it's just when they get converted to pure tonality you 've got some atonal slant.
0: no the it, no it's not the, it's not it's not the tone it's. It's the content, right? It's the... Um, so I can enjoy a song if it's got lyrics that I appreciate, right? Sure. That I can appreciate. I say, oh, this is a story that's actually interesting. Um, and then, you know, like, so... I, I like all almost everything Weird Al has ever done because they're mm-hmm. all stories, right? They're all yeah. stories and they're making fun of something, right? Yeah. I got it. Now, the majority of the music that I hear produced is... Uh, sounds, not stories. Uh, and if they are stories, they're not stories that are speaking to me on an intellectual level. It's like somebody talking to their friend about, I don't know, what, what all the bad things that are happening in their life, or all the good things, that are uh, wh- whatever, or you know how much they love someone. I don't care. I don't care. It's well, I, like only reading romance novels would not do it for me. I, I, <laughs> once I got the first idea, I don't need to keep going.
2: Right, but that's see you're just now I don't listen to tons of music but when I do I almost always just listen to the sound and I ignore the lyrics but and so I might listen to a song 10 or 15 times because I'm just listening to the music and I'll finally kind of the words will sink in eventually and I'll go oh that or you know some like one of the kids will go oh well I like how they say this and I'm like oh I've never really listened to the lyrics that closely well that's I don't feel bad about that. You're just doing the opposite. It's just a difference of emphasis in how you appreciate whatever the thing is. And if it doesn't have, you know, if it's a tone poem, I'm going to kind of go, I'm missing the point. Just don't care that much, okay? Uh. So I'm not going to feel bad about it. And I'm sorry that you feel bad about it because I just think you have your own way of appreciating that thing. And just because you're
0: yeah, it's it's more like-
2: unique, I don't think you should feel like that's. If you know something's wrong with you, it's just how you are. I mean, it's not bad or good. It's just what it is.
0: No, I don't, I don't think there's something wrong with me. I think there's something wrong with everyone
1: else.
2: <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> welcome to my world, Jesse. We'll have to talk
3: about this sometime. <laughs>
0: well,
3: I, I don't know. I have to recuse myself. I'm too close to music. Too. I, I
0: got gotcha. you. Exactly. No, and, and that's the thing. Is I think you're all too close. I think you're all too close. I, 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 and yeah, there, there's, I, there's something I think that you worried, know that, too, because because you say, you know, I, I don't like this and I don't like – well, it's it's like if I said, all oh, I don't like books, you would be like, what's wrong with this dude? And I get that. But, like that. <laughs> but, but, but I'm not saying I don't like books. I'm I'm saying I don't like some books and I'm saying I don't like the majority of books when it comes to – if you transpose that word as music, right?
2: But I have a friend like that who only read magazines if she read anything. Mm-hmm. Now she might read one book a month. And I'm like, yay, she likes one book a month. I think she's doing great. I don't care if she ever reads more than one book a month. Actually, she could never read any books. And I just kind of go, oh, well, her life's not as rich as it could be. But too bad. That's She's happy. But now that she's reading one book a month, okay, good. Well, that's you. You're reading one book a month in terms of a song. Okay. yeah I
3: Yeah, it's just the most efficient form of escape for me. Mm. So I've, you know, yeah, my, you're, two, my, you're wired in. Yeah, my, my guitar is the best girlfriend I ever had. She never <laughs> said anything I didn't want her to say. She always did exactly what I told her to do. She that. let me touch her wherever I wanted to touch her. She let uh, me, you know, I mean, it's.
1: Gentlemen, so, please.
3: Yeah, well.
0: I, I got to go to work pretty soon. So um, I thank you guys. And right. uh, hopefully we'll get this up this weekend.